We are just moments removed from AEW's Double or Nothing show. What a great show. This is the Daily Wrestling News show, AEW Double or Nothing post show. I'm Ryan Joy. This is Travis Severance. Uh, Travis, what did you think of the show? I thought the show was phenomenal. Good morning, everybody. Happy Memorial Day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we're, we're not going to have a traditional show in the morning like we do every day at 10 a.m., so we're doing this post show here when everything's really fresh, uh, just after midnight, after Double or Nothing went off the air. But I couldn't go to sleep right now if I wanted to. Anyway, there's a lot of adrenaline going. It's a long show, but man, where there's some really high spots. So, yeah, for the most part, this show started out really good, and it maintained that pace pretty much the whole way through, with a couple of spots where I felt like it, it dipped a little bit. But for yep. the most part, it was like you were you were going the whole time. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, man, I'm glad I don't have to follow that. And then they followed that, and it was like, oh, they wanted to follow that. <laughs> it's like, I'm glad I don't have to follow that. And it just kept going all night long. So, yeah, good job all around. If I had to point to the one spot in the whole night that was sort of the down match, yeah, it was the Cody Rhodes and a go-go match, which is yeah. kind of a weird thing to say. The Cody Rhodes match is the one where you, know, you, you get up to go to the bathroom if you have to, but that's kind of the case here. Yeah, it's strange, right? It was kind of a weird build. The way in I felt was really lacking um, on Friday night for the build. So the build was kind of weird. Um, that said, I felt like in the match with Agogo's limited experience, it felt like you know Cody kind of worked his ass off to sell for him pretty well. And I thought the match for what it was with as little on the line when you I think part of the problem was if we compare a lot of the other stories, there were big builds or they were things that fans were anticipating happening. Like the Miro Archer build wasn't huge, but from the time that Miro got to AEW, everyone was like, man, we're going to get to see Miro Archer at some point, you know? So there was, even though there wasn't a giant build to it, like it was just something that had kind of been sitting around. So I think of everything that was on the show, yeah, it was kind of the slow spot and I don't mind where they put it though. I think they intelligently right. booked it kind of in the middle of the show where it would have been a bathroom spot, you know, or whatever. So not bad though. No, I mean, so they, they kick off the show with a buy-in, the buy-in match. First of all, Serena Deeb, Riho, they, as far as I'm concerned, they tore it down. 15 minutes they went, which is a long for a pre-show match, but it was an excellent match. Yeah, and Deeb, Deeb just doesn't have bad matches, really. And I was interested to see, because I'm not sure how much experience either one of them have with each other in the ring. And Riho is small. You know, right. if you're not used to wrestling women that are smaller like that and stuff, it's it's got to change your style a little bit. But yeah, I was surprised. And I... I didn't think that Riho was going to win this match, but there were certainly times when she could have, you know? Sure. Yeah. And the interesting thing was this is the first match with a really live crowd, right? So dynamite yes, or Friday, there was a pretty much a, a full crowd, but this was a full jam packed house, the 200 level, the 300 level of Daly's place and all the way to the floor completely jammed. And they were, they got going for, for Riho and Riho, she still has the following. I think that was a question coming into this match is like, did people forget? Is she lost? Did she lose steam? No. Rio is still heavy fa fan favorite. Yeah. People still like her. I mean, it's hard to kind of turn your back on the first women's champion ever. Right. I think where she's going to struggle a little bit compared to Sheeta is I think Sheeta went out of her way during her time with the title and during her time being here 
to learn English as quick as possible. And I don't think Riho has the same thing. So it's it's a harder thing for her to market unless she gets a manager or something like that. She'd have put a lot of time into learning the English language. And you can mm -hmm. tell if you go back and you listen to one of her early promos where she could barely say a couple of English words versus the last one, holy cow, you know, what a difference one year makes. Right, she's swearing and stuff. And <laughs> <now>. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's pre-show. And then they start the show off hot with this Adam Page and Brian Cage match. And I thought this match was really good. I mean, when Cage got going with those power moves, it was just, man, I thought Cage was going to win. And I yeah. did Cage. He, I always underestimate how athletic he is for a big body guy. And some of the stuff that he does off the ropes and stuff is just crazy for his size and given how dense he is. I mean, that last, the last transition of moves towards the end were before they went to the finish was just power move, power move, power move, power move, power move, power move. And he's, he's do he's doing all these moves and he's holding Adam up the entire time. And I'll tell you, if anybody was wondering whether or not Adam Page was over, man, he's, oh, yeah. his entrance was out of control. People were cowboy shitting the whole time. Like it was pretty crazy. I think that, so it's interesting. We've, we've talked two matches now and we're, we're talking about who's over and who's not. And, I think that's going to be what we do for the next two months as we watch wrestling shows, as the crowds file back in and they go to new markets and things like that. We're going to be looking at these wrestlers and seeing which ones have mass appeal everywhere. And Adam Page, man, he doesn't wrestle on Dynamite every week, um, but certainly the fans are with him. Yeah, and, and that was a good match, and I'm excited now. And, and I, that's how I thought that match was going to go. So hopefully we get to see the third to kind of blow this thing off now that we're they're 1-1 against each other. They made a big deal about that in the in the commentary as well. So, yeah, great match all around. I didn't mind the finish hook coming out, not being exciting and stuff like that. I thought it protected everybody the way that it needed to. And, you know, we are – they've been kind of setting the stage for this Brian Cage peeling away from Team Taz thing, and I'm curious – what they're going to do with this now. So you've got Starks with the banged up neck with Starks on the shelf for a little while. If you peel Brian out of that faction early, it's really light. Now you've got Hobbs and you've got hook and it would have been different if they had the three of them there. Um, but if you're pulling cage apart from this quickly and stuff like that, the faction disintegrates a lot. So, yeah. And I see we have a few people watching the show and stuff. So if you want to chime in with what you thought about the show tonight, you know, leave a comment or whatever, we might bring it on screen and, chat about your comments so uh if you love the brian cage and Adam page much you know leave us a comment here and we'll, we'll talk about it bring your comment on screen um but yes the, the interesting thing here is with brian cage if he does splinter off now i think you have a, a program with will hobbs for a while that you probably are looking at um so maybe that's how they do things and by the time the will hobbs match and cage match happens maybe then starks is back yeah, you could see, I could see that happening or something like that. I, I think it puts them pretty weak right now because Cage has obviously been the standout. And I don't think, you know, Hobbs has had his things with Christian Cage and maybe they're going back to that after the Ro Battle Royale. But I think it, they still need some time. And obviously Hook is still, you know, he's, yeah. not, he's not a lot of experience. Maybe they have another marquee guy that they're going to bring into that faction too. Could be, could be. Yeah. You know? So we go from that match, which by the way, do you think, I mean, Adam Page is not getting the next title shot. We know that's Jungle Boy, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But does this set Page up? I mean, I feel like we got to at least wait till pay-per-view for Page and Omega. And I kind of feel like it's further down the road. But what's Page got left to do before he goes at Omega? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they could throw him back with 
you know, dark order again, but he hasn't really been there. Um, they could, they could have him do a run through with the TNT stuff, but I think, I don't know. I don't see him beating Miro for the title for the TNT title on the way. So it'll be interesting where they spin him off for this. Now, I think, I don't think they spin him off right away. I think we're going to go back and we're going to have a third match, um, him against cage. Oh, soon. I, I think, I think that's going to stay there. Um, but I could see, definitely see full gear page versus Omega. Um, yeah. if they don't change the title in Chicago, like they've done the last two times, right. They established it the first time. And then and the then next the time Mo- we went to Chicago was Mox revolution later. Yep. 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 So Chicago is the home of the title changes so far. So we'll see. Yeah. And Daly's place for the last one. Right. But, but you know, the, the interesting thing about that Omega page, if they do do it at full gear, it'll be the one year anniversary from the page Omega world title eliminator match that Omega won over page mm-hmm. to get the shot at winner is coming. So a little bit of poetic there and, you know, AEW is very good with their storylines. They like to do that kind of thing and call back and stuff. So you can almost hear them saying it was one year ago when, Oh, and, and, and this is the Omega page thing has been a long, slow build since the, the inception of AEW, <laughs> since the since the New Japan stuff, and then they tag team champions and so on and so forth. Like it's been intentional that they've kept them apart and they've let them build. And I think I, I'm sure that everybody in the back was happy to hear the cheer for Page. It's like he probably got one of the largest cheers of the night, and that's a very yeah, different sure. spot than when we got to see him against Jericho coming out on the horse in Chicago where people were still not sure who Adam page was. And now he's gotten himself a really good run and and he's there where he could hold the title. Whereas before he wasn't ready. Absolutely not. But you know, the whole company was new in full Mm -hmm. year 2019. So all those guys besides your Jericho's and your Cody Rhodes, they were all pretty much unknown to the American audience. There's the core fans that knew, you know, the new Japan guys and stuff like that, including, including hangman page. But now, now he's got a much bigger following. Well, I think what's interesting tonight and what we saw a lot of was, was exactly what they said they were going to do. There was a lot of criticism from other fans about, well, you know, they're bringing in these WWE guys and they're bringing in guys from everywhere. And it's like, look, you got to start from ground zero at some point. So you have to start with some name recognition. Well, how many stars did they build? If you go down through this card and you take a look at how many stars had top positions in this pay-per-view with the first one back with live fans, it's a lot of homegrown talent there. A lot of it. Yeah, it's always been kind of one of those things where it felt like they during the pandemic period, new stars weren't getting built. And I think that they were. They were getting built, but they can't pay them off, it doesn't seem like, until the fans came back. And now the fans are back, and oh my god, did they respond well to Darby Allen and Jungle Boy and those guys. So yeah, it, it was a, it was a it was a live litmus test, right? So you, how has the work been since? How have we set the table with our with our superstars during the period of time when we were down and we couldn't really have fans in there? And I think based on the reception that the talent got and stuff, there's still some people that need some work to do. Um, I think the Ethan Page Scorpio Sky team is going to be good, um, but you're not getting over with Sting in the ring and yeah. Darby Allen. Good luck. Mm-hmm. All right, so after Page and Ome- uh, Page and Brian Cage, we had the Young Bucks defeat Moxley and Kingston to retain the World Tag Team titles. This is a great match. Uh, Moxley went down swinging, man. Four BTE triggers to put him down. 
Uh, but he did eat the pin. I actually thought it would be Kingston eating the pin here. With the yeah, I was surprised at that. Eddie Kingston, another one. Insane uh, crowd chants, you yeah. know, all over the place. And, you know, I'm sure he was thrilled with that, too. Kingston's kind of a journeyman. You know, he had his time in NWA and stuff and has his relationship with Moxley. But it shows that based on the promos and the way they presented Eddie Kingston, he was somebody the crowd wanted yeah. tonight. And, you know, the match was... There was a lot of shenanigans, but they front-loaded the shenanigans. Right. And they worked so their way the through the shenanigans. So the finish was more of a clean finish. Now, AEW has a lot of both men in the ring a lot of times with tag teams and things like that. They've got a 20 count on tag, so we see that more often than not with AEW than we do in other places. But there's a reason for it. You know, they they you know it goes both ways, and the refs do a pretty good job sorting it out. Yeah, and as you can see from the comment that I put on the screen just now, the match was insane from the very beginning. Absolutely, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they came down with the sneakers and went crazy. It was it was real good. Don't they have a tradition of amazing pay-per-view tag team matches? Those tag team title matches on the pay-per-views, they're, they're never usually the main event. In fact, they've never been the main event. But let me just name off the ones that <laughs> I can think of. Escalera de la Morta from All Out. Page and Omega versus the Bucks at Revolution. The best wrestling match I've ever seen. Ever seen live. Yes, mm-hmm. hands down. And then Omega, uh, not Omega, uh, the Bucks versus FTR at Full Gear last year. These, With all the tag team tributes in the match and stuff. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 exceptional. I'm I'm like the the I am not a Young Bucks fan, but if I start putting together the best matches of AEW since their inception, it's really hard to deny those three matches are insane. And then this one goes right in the mix with the rest of them. Right. So you know, as a as somebody that's not a Young Bucks fan in general, I certainly respect what they can do in the ring, and the matches are really really good. And and it what it does is even though they have a phenomenal tag team division, it is very clear. This is the top of the tag team division. Yeah. Nobody else is putting out tag team wrestling like that. Nobody. You know, when you say the top of the tag team division, you're referring to the top of the tag division in AEW. This is the best tag team wrestling in the world, though. For sure. For sure. Bar none. I'm watching WWE, and I'm watching Impact, and I'm watching New Japan, and I'm watching every place. This is the best tag team wrestling there is right now. John McCauley chimes in, tag division always delivers, and they do. It's, it's for sure. And even when they do the, we're going to put two guys together and we're not necessarily going to call them a tag team. Those tag teams are pretty good. Moxley Kingston, pretty good. Page Sky, pretty good. Sting, Darby, very good. Omega, Page, like (laughs) it's not for, it's not just because we don't have anything for creative. Make just makes sense. And I, um, let's see. And I guess it was during this match. Okay, during this match, the Good Brothers came out, mm-hmm. and Frankie Kazarian came out to call back to, okay, SCU just split up, and it was because of the Good Brothers interference and all this stuff. So Frankie Kazarian is a man on a mission now. What did he call They called him the elite, the leader, or something like that. Or yeah, they gave him some kind of a moniker, some mercenary-style moniker, which I liked, and it was good to see. That's good to me. Um, I'm not sure what Christopher Daniels' future is going to be, um, with AEW, um, as far as in-ring performance goes, but it's obvious Frankie still has it and mm-hmm. Frankie can still go and he's still valuable. So yeah, it's interesting to have him in the mix. And I mean, you want to put Frankie Kazarian, have him roll around with Moxley and Kingston. I'm down for that too. Yes, here it is. 
the um, elite hunter. That's right. The elite, the elite hunter. Yep. Thank you. Yep. The and then the casino battle royal. I have to say, going into the pay per view, this was the match I was most looking forward to because a, it's, you know, they're serving me a surprise, mm-hmm. and you really don't know who's going to win. Christian Cage was the smart money. Mm-hmm. Jungle Boy probably should have been in the mix too, and in, in our heads. But really, when everybody was writing down their predictions, nobody was picking Jungle Boy. They so I had Christian th- Cage and picking the mystery I- guy. I had three plus the mystery guy that were in my head. I looked at Penta. I looked at Jungle Boy potentially because if you look at Jungle Boy historically in Battle Royales, and I know history doesn't mean anything, he always finishes well. He's always in the money, um, whether or not he wins. Um, and Yeah, I think Christian Cage, a lot of us thought, us, us smart marks thought, um, yeah, this is going to be his opportunity to be able to get himself into a title shot without having to work his way up the ladder. And again... AW pays off the younger up and coming talent. Christian, you know, gives him a giant hug afterwards. Um, I enjoyed this battle royale as far as the way they packaged it better. They're actually into their own now. They have a style. They they do the they do the suits. They put the little names down at the bottom. Everybody gets an yes. intro. There's Great. a nicer flow to the match. The ring is not. We don't see 75 people in the ring with just legs hanging over and four people trying to do the fake. I'm going to push it out. I thought the ending, I was concerned that the ending was dragging a little bit and then it all of a sudden picked up the pace and it went pretty quick. Um, but the pace of the match was really, really good. Yeah, and uh, John DeConi chiming back in with the AEW. AEW is smarter than I, he gives them credit for. Moment of the night was Jungle Boy winning instead of Christian. Without Absolutely. a doubt. Christian's going to get a title shot down the road. We know that. Sure. You know, And, and actually, Jungle Boy's going to get many more title shots down the road. He's already had one. So that after this happened, that's what I started doing. I started in my head. I was processing through the roster, you know, and I'm watching the acclaim come down and I'm watching private party come down and I'm watching a bunch of the other younger stars that are actually stars now. And I'm like, man, we got a lot of years of really good wrestling ahead of us here, even with the older stars and stuff like that. And I think they use them really well. And we'll talk about that when we get to sting, but Leo rush, Leo rush, Leo rush. You know, that's another interesting thing because everybody knows that there's a surprise in this match and nobody can ever call the surprise. It's like, it. so so if people wanted to pick the Revolution Ladder match, I think they could have found Ethan Page. I think that was okay. But the last uh, Casino Battle Royal, nobody had Matt Seidel on the radar. No. And with this, I don't know why, but nobody had Leo Rush on the radar. Nobody. It, it just everybody was like looking at Andrade, and they were looking at yes. a bunch of other Daniel Bryan, and there was a bunch of crazy stuff out there and stuff like that. And even me, as much of a Leo Rush fan as I am, didn't even think about Leo Rush right. because he's been so busy. He's literally been all over the place. So the interesting thing, though, is is Leo Rush all elite? Because everybody else that they brought in in those spots were all elite, and he's you know very creative. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Hopefully this wasn't just a one shot kind of thing, or maybe he's going to do like a little loop with them or something like that. But I mean, I'll take Leo rush. Give me, give me Leo rush against all those other young guys. We already mentioned in matches. Cause he's insane. He's absolutely incredible. What's interesting about Leo rush. A lot of people have probably only seen a couple of his matches on a or WWE. Cause he really didn't have a ton. Right. He was in two Oh five live for, a few months and then they brought him up and he was on raw every week as Bobby Lashley's manager hype man. 
and he had a couple matches there, and then he took a long departure, and then he came back and he had a short run in the cruiserweight division when it moved back to NXT. Yeah. So you had an opportunity to see him work a little bit, but not a whole heck of a lot. And what when we go and see him on the indies, Travis, we saw him at GCW. Yep. He's very good. He's very creative and everything. But what you don't see is the speed. And I, I, I know you see him, his quickness and stuff at those shows, but when he's working with when he's not working with the highest caliber people, you don't see just how quick he is. And now he when he comes in and he works at AEW, or if he worked in WWE with some of the quick guys like Ricochet, you see how quick he is. And yeah, I think his, that showed tonight even. His footwork and his speed was incredible. And tonight he just went in and it was a full-on sprint the entire time until he got bumped out of the ring there. But it was interesting to watch him. You know, we got to see him a couple of times at GCW. We got to see his alternate persona, Blackheart, which is similar to Demon um, Finn Balor. That He's a little crazy. He's got a different hype guy for that. He's got a manager that's kind of zombified or bewitched or something like that. It's a very cool presentation. And the difference between watching him on the indies or MLW and the other places is he just doesn't feel like he's as overproduced. It felt like he was yeah. more risky in those yeah. matches and he got to highlight his actual style as opposed to like having to work down or slow down. I mean, like you said, if he was in the ring with Ricochet, he looked great. Somebody like private party, really good. You've got some fast guys in, in AEW that can keep pace with them too. And they don't mind featuring the guy that only weighs 150 pounds in a high spot. Right. Yeah, and uh, I just want to mention Mr. Garcia, who was with us throughout the entire uh, chat thread tonight, also mentioning that the Casino Battle Royale is great because it gives a younger star a chance to win, and they and they do tend to to do that and give us a spot, you know, where we get to see somebody kind of get promoted in a way. Yep, so, absolutely, very very true. Um, I I love the match. I think that I think that this was good. Uh, Max Caster came out great. He's he's just the funny thing is most people hated him when he first came in mm-hmm. um, because the gimmick is kind of a little bit um, I don't know it's kind of like nails on the chalkboard at first but after you hear a few of them and he hits you with a couple of ones that you can't help but laugh at now you look forward to it he's super sharp and he's cutting and he's vicious on some of his stuff you know like I can remember when John Cena came out and it was the same way when he first came out everybody's groaning. And then you started to get accustomed to it and you enjoyed it a little bit. But his rap still, if you go back and you listen to it, it's a little bit corny. This is like no holds barred. I'm coming at you raw. I'm getting as close to the edge as I possibly can with what I'm saying. Like if he can stay healthy and Anthony Bowen stays healthy, that's a real legitimate young team. And um, I don't think they'll be a tag team forever because I think they're going to split Caster off eventually. They're going to well, and they could keep them together. They're they're more emphasis on tag teams. So I think at any one point they could split a tag team and have them do singles for a bit and then come back together. Yeah. I mean, there's just a ton of matches between them, top flight, par- private party, that yep. just unending things you can do with those tags. Varsity blondes. Yes. <laughs> so then after this, this after the casino battle Royal, that was when we had Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. Uh, we kind of already talked about it a little bit, but it was kind of a weird vertebraker was the move that Cody used to finish him off. And it, it was a little scary when I got when he saw him get up there, but he did land it okay. But Agogo's a big guy, isn't he? he? Agogo is a big guy. He's in good shape. He's athletic. If you watch his footwork, he's he has a boxer's foot footwork and foot speed, but running the ropes and getting down and stuff like that. If he stays with this and he's serious with it, 
he could end up being a pretty big star. Got a good body, good look. Yeah, that vertebraker, that's homicide's finisher. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised, given all the neck stuff and all the things that we're seeing, that that's what Cody went to to finish him with. Um, yeah, I don't know. Certainly the lowest. Uh, it, it's one of the two matches that I got wrong, so I'm going to call it a low spot for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really thought that we were going to do something with the factory and give him a little boost here. And I thought, you know, Cody Rhodes was going on paternity leave for a little bit, but. Um, I thought the match was a fine story and I thought it was okay, but I, I would, the problem is something has to be the worst match and you know, that's, that's just how it goes. When you've got a whole show of A's and B's, there's, there's gotta be a C somewhere. They can't all be good. Andre Thomas also Andre was with us the entire uh, conversation thread tonight, except for when he had to go pick up his wife and then I think he missed the casino battle Royal poor Poor guy. guy. (laughs) <laughs> but he's mentioning the tag division is top notch an extra show gives it more of a showcase. It's funny that he mentions that because Travis privately, you and I have been talking for a year that we thought maybe the new show would be all tag team. show. Yeah, that was my dream, Andre. I wanted the new, I wanted the new show to be called dose and it was just all tags, whether it was tags or triples, the whole show would just be that and feature that because the roster got so big and they had so much there. Yeah, poor Andre. Nice, nice guy, man. He's he's above what I would have done. I think I would have called the Uber for my wife if, <laughs> in the middle of that show. He was a couple matches in and missed the Casino Battle Royale. So, good job to him. I think that's like basically buying her flowers. So we're gonna call it even. <laughs> well, he mentioned that if if he had called an Uber, somebody would have had to make room for, uh, room for him <laughs> on the couch. Into the couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Which, by the way, if people are listening to us chat about the conversation thread, actually, for all the shows all week. Raw, uh, NXT, Dynamite, SmackDown, Impact. We always do a conversation thread on the Minutes Bell Time public Facebook page. So if you go there and join that, every night at 5 o'clock, John DeConi puts up the conversation thread, and we talk throughout the entire show. It's a lot of yeah. fun. It's a good way to connect. Chat us up. You know, we're, we're happy to interact and stuff, and we want to hear what you guys have to say for sure. So make it happen. Now we go from the, the nice thing is that we had that really high energy feel leaving the casino battle Royal. We didn't really love the Agogo match, but it had Cody and he's one of their big guys, you know, so they had that, but then we went to Miro and Archer and this was the match that people were like, I need to see these two big guys just beat the heck out of each other. And they had a whole Jake, the snake Roberts uh, angle, like leading into it where, where Miro took out Jake at FanFest, and that resulted in Jake coming out with a snake or a bag with a snake supposed to be in it. But anyway, great match. Miro ultimately gets the win with the game over. Referee stop, which is how he beat Darby Allen, and it's probably how he's going to beat every top star with a referee stop at a game over. Yeah, it was an interesting finish. Um, if he does that to Lance, then I don't think there's anybody that's really off the table. Um, as far as that being the finisher, he'd modified it, right? We didn't go into a camel clutch. He had to move over a little bit because Lance is so friggin' tall. Um, and he did the rolling th- on his back thing. Yeah, yeah, rolled him on his back and pulled him that way to get him to get him to tap out. Um, I, I thought both of them looked great. I thought both of them got all their stuff in. Um, they both looked strong in this match. And for a, such a short build, adding the little touches with the Jake stuff was a good way to 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 give that extra motivation for Archer. Um, 
and and they kind of swerved me a little bit there too because I thought with you know Sting saying Archer should get more positions and stuff like that and Jake kind of having his hands up I didn't know how long Archer was for Jake um I mean they're still together now they don't they and Jake yep. did his Jake did his promo for him this week too so um apparently that's not going anywhere and my hope for Jake the Snake to be the evil mastermind behind the factory is Still kind of in the background, I guess. Yeah, and Andre, Andre chimes in. Where does where does Lance go from here? Do they not believe in Lance? And it's interesting because you know he's lost a whole bunch of you know he's lost a whole bunch of title matches, just a bunch, match after match. Whenever he gets to that spot, he loses. Um, and like you said, I we thought that Jake might turn on him, and maybe we'd get some kind of a an angle there. But I don't think that. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he'll probably go on a series of big wins now. But um, yeah, as far as where that where that goes, I could see them going, having him go through some stuff, and then putting together Miro versus Archer again. And Archer mm-hmm. actually went in the title that time because Archer is a believable opponent for me to have that Miro could lose to. There aren't a lot of other people on the roster, and Miro kind of had a slow build himself, so. You know, maybe we see Archer messing with some other people, or maybe he stays right with Miro, um, and they find some way to break it off or whatever, and then they get back to the next pay-per-view, and we've got Miro versus Archer again. Um, because it's the same thing with Miro. Well, where does Miro go? AEW's probably not going to run the, I'm going to come out and do the open challenge, just like the last two did. I think they're, they kind of get past that with creative, because that's my next question. Like, where do you go with Miro? He's got a giant, unstoppable juggernaut, like... The bigger yeah, guys tend to be tend to be heels. He's probably going to destroy everybody the size of Dante Martin. Your Serpenticos and all yeah, those you, guys. You'll see get... all those guys are going to get crippled. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but ultimately, though, yeah, they'll work back. And the other thing is, he got beat by Miro. It wouldn't be crazy to see a guy like Archer get some wins back and then go after the other title. Sure. Especially Absolutely. if Archer's going towards the face side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It looks a little weird because people consider the TNT title maybe the mid card, so to speak. But um, it's kind of the main event. It's a main event title on Dynamite every week almost. So he's somebody where if they go into triples too, you can put him with two other tag team wrestlers that are smaller guys, and he's immediately fills that Jake Hager Wardlow role as a mercenary. It's nice that he can kind of slip around and do that stuff. So there's going to be opportunity for him there. Um, I don't think I think Archer's happy. I think he's yeah. I think he's thrilled where he is and I think he's glad he's getting the exposure that he is and he's not in Japan anymore and um who knows maybe maybe we see him go back to Japan around the G1 and he takes some time off and then he runs it back but yeah. you know there's some interesting stuff they could do with him too the other thing that would be interesting for me as well with what they're doing over an impact send him over to impact sure have have him fight Joe Doring have him fight Morrissey yeah, over man, there have him fight Madman Fulton there's a bunch of matches over there if they wanted to kind of insert him over there because he just throws his hand up with AEW and goes over there to claim a title. Yeah, and you know the, the other thing is people may not know Archer's background if they're not New Japan fans because Archer was actually in WWE. He was part of the ECW brand for a hot second mm-hmm. when back then. And then he went to New Japan. He's been there ever since, and he just never got things going. And he, he started to right at the end. And then he came to AEW, and now he's he's a lot happier, like you mentioned. And I think, you know, even if he's not going to win the title, he gets into high profile matches, and he's you know on television, and he's in a good spot. Yeah, absolutely. 
have Moose have Lance fight Moose after he beats Kenny. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Andre with the wishful thinking with the Moose versus Kenny, I think. Um might happen. We could see it. Yeah. Um the weird thing is if I, you know, I know this is off topic a little bit, but if I were going to pick one guy in the whole impact lineup, that's going to beat Kenny Omega for that title. It's moose. And I can't believe they're going there first. Yeah. It's strange to me too, but I don't, you know, I wonder how, how much cooperation is there, you know? Um, I think they're probably testing the waters a little bit there. So, sure. So Britt Baker and Sheeta, this was the next match. Britt Baker gets the win. We all kind of thought that this was Britt Baker's crowning moment. But as things started to happen, you know, last night, Sheeta gets the new title belt, and we're all sitting here second-guessing, is Sheeta going to win this match? And if she does, who does she fight next? And what does Britt do? But tons, tons of false finishes here. Like, 30 false finishes in this match, I think. <laughs> like, every time, you know, there's a crutch spot. There was... She'd have hit the Falcon Arrow. She hit the running knee strike. There were interference. There was all kinds of things happening, uh, but ultimately it was kind of it was kind of clean by the time it was all said and done. Yeah, after everything sorted itself out, it felt similar to what ended up happening at the end of the Bucks uh, Kingston Moxley match, where you know they went they went to a finish that's a clean finish. And it, Tony Khan's been very critical of other companies with their non clean finishes and stuff. And I think you know, with the exception of Omega with some consistency as he's the top heel guy. Um, you tend to see clean finishes um, or cleaner finishers. Um, yeah, it was a little sad. I, I didn't know if we were going to get the double swerve. Like it felt like this was Baker's time. Obviously I'm wearing the shirt. So I thought it was her time. Um, she, she got a lot of chance, although the chance were 50, 50, it felt like during the match and stuff like that. Um, but it is, you know, she came out and she was, obviously upset in some way. And maybe it was just because the fans came back. So she was thrilled. I tend to think it's probably more that she knew the finish and she had carried that belt for a year and didn't get to really get a title defense in front of a live audience like that. And the first real one goes to Britt Baker, but I'll tell you what, that's a hell of a comeback story too. Sure. You felt bad for Sheeta. I mean, you hate to see Sheeta lose. You, it absolutely was Britt Baker's time. The time yep. was right. She built herself up. She went from the babyface character that wasn't working and then slowly tweaked the character and it started to take off. It, it was working, clearly yep. working. Yeah, all the stuff she did, the Tony Schiavone stuff, the Aubrey Edwards conspiracy theory angle that they kind of went away from after COVID yeah. hit, the role model stuff, the we're going to bring in Rebel. I mean, they did a dentist office match. <laughs> like, yep. you know, there was a whole bunch of, she broke her nose. She took tax. Yep. Yeah, she had great some great feuds, a great feud with Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa probably has a claim to the belt now, or claim to a match. So we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. Not everybody is a Britt Baker fan. It's kind of interesting. We saw... We've seen in the conversation thread multiple people actually bring up the fact that they're you know, they they're not really fond of her, um, but I think she's earned her spot for sure. So um, give her a chance. I think. Yep, I would agree. Okay, then we had the big Sting come back after seven years. Sting is back after seven years. It was, I think it was the last match was against Rollins. He took a buckle bomb that didn't work out. He gave a buckle bomb out during this match. <laughs> so. Uh, Darby Allen and Sting get the win. It was a Scorpion death drop on Scorpio Sky uh, that, that earned the victory. And I, I liked that it was the the counter. You know, it was the 
it was the counter from Scorpio was going for the outside in cutter that and Sting caught it. So it's always nice to see a match end in sort of that way where you have a counter into a finish. I thought it was the perfect way to do it. I was worried that they were going to set him up with a um I was worried that they were going to set him up and he was going to do the full on scorpion death drop that we're used to seeing that we've seen from wcw a million times and tna and stuff it was so good that like i'm like oh there were a couple times during the match i'm like oh he's gonna hit the death drop and it's gonna be over here and then he hit it on the counter and i'm like man he's out and you know i've seen a lot of older wrestlers and stuff like that and matches that they probably shouldn't be in and doing different things and stuff like that i thought that they put that match together in a way where he didn't look he didn't look too old. He, there was all stuff that he was capable of doing. Um, Darby took the normal beating that he does every single week. Like I don't, I don't know what his bones are made out of, but like he just Titanium. that throw, yeah, that throw. Ethan Page throwing him out of the ring into the crowd. Um, yeah, that, I mean that. If you didn't know, they they didn't sell any tickets in that section because that was all either indie wrestlers or. Family. relatives or whatever that were there so if you tried to grab something in that section 104 if you tried to grab something in section 104 you couldn't it was all whited out i tried um and it's still an insane spot to get tossed into that area like all in all though i think that i think the match did really well in the prop the thing is if you lose to sting and you lose to darby it doesn't hurt you at all it's no you know, it's like taking a Brock or a Goldberg loss or an Undertaker loss. Like they just yeah. they just beat everybody. So Andre brings up that that throw was an old ECW pay per view. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. And also, yeah. you can see Rob Van Dam leaping into the crowd there like that too. Even after you know the throws, always those types of things into the crowd. Yeah, the, the difference ECW. the difference is that Darby's getting paid more than the entire ECW roster. Was yes, and so and he can count on that check clearing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> No offense, Paul E. Love love myself some Paul Heyman and ECW guys, but yeah. The checks will clear from the Khan family. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. But yeah, no, I think Darby Allen's certainly related to uh, to Wolverine, I think. You know, mm-hmm. his ability to regenerate his bones. Yeah, it was crazy. So not the main event. The main event was not for the world championship, and this is common on on AEW pay per views. The full gear show that you went to had Cody versus Jericho. Uh, that wasn't the main; they had an unsanctioned match. Um, and then last year at Double or Nothing, the Stadium Stampede went on last, and that was the case here. So we had our world title match in the semi main. Uh, they call it a double main event, whatever. It's the semi main event. Kenny Omega gets his win over Pac and Orange Cassidy, but. You know, I, I had Kenny picked. I, nobody ever thought Kenny Omega was going to lose this match, except there was a few moments in this match where I was like, oh, my God, are they going to give this belt to Orange? Are they going to give this belt to Pac? Fleeting moments. So I'll tell you what. If this was the last match of the night, so my thinking going into it when you book something like this is if it's the second to last match of the night, you're not going to do a title change. Because yeah. if you do a title change for your heavyweight belt, you want to be able to send the show off with the new champion in the ring, celebrating and doing whatever they're going to do. So when it was the second to last match, I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, there were definitely spots during the match where I thought Orange Cassidy, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, are they, are they really crazy enough to do this? Like so many internet personalities, wrestling personalities, heads would explode if 
Orange Cassidy beat those two men who are probably considered the two best wrestlers, pure wrestlers in the entire, in all of AEW. Um, you probably throw Ray Phoenix into that conversation as well, but boy, what a hell of a match and a three-way match, not in the same style that you see three-way matches all the time. Like just the timing and the spots were really, really good and, and pretty clean with the saves and stuff. I think the only one that I really, there was a belt shot or something like that, that I wasn't a real big fan of. I mean, Omega certainly took advantage of the fact that it was a non-DQ match. I mean, he blasted Paul Turner. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't always love that, even though it's no DQ match when they just blatantly destroy the referees. But it was, I guess it was, I can overlook it pretty easily. But well, they didn't do DQs in AEW. There's been like no. two in the history of the world. So and never in a triple threat match anyway. So nope. Nope. But yeah, Andre coming in saying, you know, they're not afraid to give us a twist or two. And I thought they were going to. And I, because I know that about them. You know, it's funny, AEW, a lot of people say is so predictable, right? But it's that nature of being predictable that allows us to be surprised. Exactly. So. Exactly. Especially coming off of the last pay-per-view, which was a pretty easy one to call. Um, there were still definitely times. It's not necessarily did the finish go exactly how you thought it was. It's during the course of the match. Can I suspend disbelief and think that the other guy could possibly win or the other girl could possibly win? How many times in my mind do I have to trick myself into going, oh, it's obviously going to be this way, and then maybe it isn't. But the reality of it is this. If you're a wrestling fan that's an intelligent wrestling fan and you're watching the product, shouldn't you be able to take a look at a pay-per-view and go, I know who's going to win most of these matches because you're an active fan. You understand the storylines. You understand the wrestlers. You understand their abilities. Yeah, you should have a couple of times when you second-guess yourself and things like that. But if you're paying attention to the product – as somebody that's a wrestling fan, more often than not, I kind of want to know and feel good about what I'm what I'm looking at and not being completely thrown off every single time. So, you know, tonight was definitely that show. Um, although I picked the show pretty well. I had three wrong. I think you probably did too. No, maybe two. Two. I missed the casino battle royale and I missed the roads of go go. I got the rest of it right because I this afternoon I. Changed my pick from Moxley Kingston to the Bucks. Ah, okay. So Kenny Omega still the AEW Impact AAA TNA champion. Yeah, with a whole bunch of garbage and bullshit. So if yeah. I could say anything about Kenny Omega's run with the championship title, it was, boy, did he do a lot of clean winning until he got the belt. And when he got the <laughs> yeah, belt, he decided so that there was no clean winning is going to happen. It started with a microphone, and today it ended with four different belts in the ring. So... Um, I mean, he still can wrestle, but he's certainly not going to have a clean finish. And who knows? Maybe that's the Kenny Omega character here. <laughs> so the last match, the stadium stampede match, I missed on this. I picked Pinnacle, and I from the moment I picked it, I was like, man, I should have picked the inner circle because now we can go to a third match. What that third match is, I have no clue. It can't be a straight 10-man tag or anything like that. It's going to have to be the exploding barbed wire, blood and guts, stampede match from hell or something. Yeah, shark tanks or something. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it'll have to be an underwater match. Something completely never I mean, I guarantee you whatever they come up with, we're probably just not thinking of what it could probably be. Um, But yeah, they definitely got to go to a three. And I'm like, I felt like they were all of them mentioned during the promo if this is it then i really loved you guys and enjoyed working with you i thought they were working that too hard 
So like I felt they were swerving the swerve on this one and stuff. And I'm like, they're not breaking them up right now. Yeah. So the match went 30 minutes, a lot of fun spots. You had Hager and Wardlow fighting all over the place. You had a cool Sean Spears chairman thing happen with the lights and everything shining on him. Mm-hmm. You had Sammy with the golf cart. You had Jericho and MJF, you know, struggling through the entire offices and everything. The bat was mysteriously placed right where Jericho would need it to prevent himself from getting hit with a hammer. A lot of fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was it was shot the way that Avengers Civil War was, right? We had all of our heroes. Conan was great. Yep. And, the, man, I'll give him props for setting up that camera shot because they intentionally panned away from him in the beginning of the scene a couple of different times, and he didn't know. And then they, you only got the actual reveal when you went to him. Nobody was calling that beforehand, and sometimes they don't get that right all the time. Um, so, yeah, I, entrances, very cool. Like, holy shit, you're coming down, you're scaling down. Yeah. I mean, it scares me half to death every time because I watch yeah, the Owen Hart thing, and I'm like, God, I hate that. Especially because we just hit the anniversary of that. I hate that thing, but, like, obviously they're going to be super, super careful now, so I'm sure it's not going to be the issue, but I'm like, man, I don't, I just don't love it. Um, right. But, it, you know, it's another one of these ones where they do outside in, which not very many places do it. We got to see that with the Butcher and Blade tag team match where they started they started in the middle of the kitchen or whatever and then they managed to end up in the ring so they did the same thing here you know we broke into our individual scenes where we had our two guys broken off and stuff the you know each of the different things were really cool you got the the storage uh, cooler where you got the two big guys hammering on each other you know sammy and sean are kind of just running all over the place and the tag teams are you know in the middle of some kind of a a hip-hop disco thing and just bar fighting each other and you know sammy or jericho and mjf were just going through everywhere and who knows i don't know if jericho's got a real issue with his arm or not but he certainly had all the gear to make it that way um i thought we were going to get the classic break open the cast spot and that didn't really happen and we get back to the ring and as crazy as it sounds sort of a cleanish finish (laughs) it was just sort of a just sort of happened, right? I mean, yeah. Sammy, okay, listen, a 630 degree spinning uh, splash of doom onto from Sammy Guevara onto Sean Spears is not like just a regular old finish or anything, but like, right. but it was just kind of a little bit of wrestling match into the into the finish at the end. Yep. And Sammy Guevara getting the win, I think, is significant as well. I agree. Um, you know, and we still haven't as much as he's been in part of part of these angles, we haven't seen him wrestling a lot, and before we used to see him all the time. Um, and the, the significance of Sammy actually leaving the inner circle coming back, which is what Mr. Garcia here is pointing out. Yeah, that is good storytelling. And I like that they started the match with Spears and Sammy in the ring for a little bit too. And then they finished the match that way. Like it was kind of beginning, middle and end of the story and stuff. Very, very cool. And then obviously, you know, it gave them a way to play Judas at the end to have the entire crowd sing. And the crowd was hot all night. A hundred percent. And it was nice that, you know, the stadium stampede is sort of the tradition there now. And it's nice that they still gave those fans something to watch it live at the end, which I think they had announced earlier this week, there was going to be a live component, but it's nice that they did that because if the show ended with a video a movie, that would have been kind of a letdown, I think for the fans in attendance that really poured everything they had into cheering all night. Yeah, I'm excited now, right? Like, I want to see the first WWE show with live fans, and I can't wait to see everybody else, and MLW is going to come back with live fans, and 
I mean, July, man. I was July two, is going. Everybody's back. Ring I was Honor, two. MLW, I was, I was three, three clicks away from flying down there this afternoon and and going and watching the show. And I was just, you know, I had a, I had some business stuff that I had to take care of, and just didn't pull the trigger for the four hour flight down and back. But yeah, oh, it's so good that it's all coming back, and the indie shows are starting to fire up and stuff. And now we've got two, two. Their next two pay per views are booked with dates and stuff, and. You know the the rampage is on its way. Mark Henry comes out like. Oh my God! We didn't even mention Mark Henry. Mark Henry, so, world strongest so, uh, man. I, I want to make this statement because I I'm interested to get your reaction on this. But to me, this is what happens when you have Randy Orton treat all the legends like crap. Yeah, I know you're a Randy Orton guy, but the legends were totally abused. It's Randy Orton's. It's Randy Orton's character. And I, you know, I'm not sure if Randy Orton has a preference either way. I'm sure shit talking Mark Henry while he was on a scooter wasn't something that he came up with. Um, I'm sure he was just handed that and stuff. But yeah, there's probably a degree of that, right? Like you don't get the big show and you don't get Mark Henry out of that. Now, am I ultra excited about Paul White and Mark Henry as far as um, being on commentary? I don't know. But they're two of the better analysts. That to yeah, me they, sounds like color commentator, but I thought seems- they were gonna. I thought Morrow was coming out. That's what I thought. I thought, oh, they're gonna do the comment. Okay, this is gonna be Morrow. Everybody's gonna be excited about Morrow. They made it intentionally played some of the spots from the Impact match that he was commentating on over and over again. It yeah, sounds I thought great. we were getting trios belts. Those, and, that's what I thought we were getting. And yeah, anything like that. So it's nice. We still got some stuff left to go, but um, I think what it does do though is if you take a look at the inventory of guys that they have that are former wrestlers or, or legends or whatever, and you take a look at a spot where maybe they were a little weak on, when you take a look at the initial guys that they brought in, the Jerry Lynn's, the Dean Malenko's, those guys, having two of the biggest guys be able to work with your bigger guys to be better, big guys is a good thing to have. So if you, and a lot of people don't, they don't understand that end of it, or they don't look at the value of, you know, the potential teaching that they have for the younger roster by having those two giant guys there that they're not just giant guys. They're guys that those, that that locker room grew up on. Jerry Lynn can't teach Wardlow to wrestle like the big show. Yep. It takes Mark Henry or big show to teach, you know, you, and they got they've they've actually really filled out the roster with big guys. You got Hobbs, you got Cage, you got Camarado, Preston Vance. You know, the the list just keeps growing now. I think they've just signed Bear Bronson and Bear Boulder. I haven't I haven't totally seen that confirmed everywhere, but I did see that rumor. Bubbling. Yeah, all, all petite wrestling kind of has to go out the window at this point. You've got some smaller guys, you got some cruiserweights, you got some heavyweights, and you got some super heavies for sure now. Yeah. So. That's gotta. That's gonna got gotta get moved to the side, and then they've got they've got guys in that locker room that can intentionally teach those guys how to be better. So just smart from a business sense for sure. Yeah, yeah, and their big men are only gonna get better. Andre said, and I think that yes, when you have, and especially when you bring in these coaches or these analysts or whatever they they're calling them, it's going to get better and better and better. I'm excited for what the future is. I'm excited that they've announced all out in Chicago. I'm excited that full gear and I'd be more excited if full gear wasn't in St. Louis and it was someplace closer to me, but you know, it is what it is. Well, it's closer to you when you're home. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. St. Louis is going to be a, 
a hop for you. It's going to be three or four hours for me. I haven't right. been to St. Louis in a little while. Maybe they'll bring out Randy Orton. It's his hometown. Well, you know what? We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to bring up a couple more things that people had mentioned in the comments here. Specifically, let me see. These are really important comments, so I want to make sure I get them. <laughs> Say something, Travis. So I, can find so I think overall, um, if I had to, if I had to grade the show, um, there's a lot of stuff that probably made me overlook some of the smaller stuff in the show. But you know, I definitely give it a solid eight or a nine, um, which is super giving for me because those are not numbers that I usually talk about when it comes to pay per views. Um, hard to find a weakness in it, even with the Rhodes match being what it was. Um, I thought the best part of that match was probably his robe. When he came out, he had a really nice, yeah, really nice. nice ring gear and stuff. I that said, I thought the story in the match was good. The the punches, the stomach issues, that you know, Agogo came in with some some injury too, and they talked about that and stuff. Um, I think the other stuff that was kind of surprising, not that it mattered because they weren't guys that were going to win anyway, but like the substitutions for the battle royale was not necessarily exciting. No QT Marshall. Instead, we ended up with Solo, which Aaron Solo is not QT Marshall as far as the storylines go. And we ended up with Serpentico rather than the Blade. So, But I did like the whole, the comedy aspect of Luther dragging Serpentico. Oh, no, that's standard. Absolutely. And actually, Solo, Lee Johnson, Serpentico, they were in, their entrance was longer than their attendance. Correct. In and out. Yep. Thanks for coming. So I did find those important comments that I was talking about. And one of them is Mr. Garcia saying the threat is probably the most fun he has watching wrestling. <laughs> Extremely important comment to put out there. So yes. do join us. Do join us. Yes. It's a big thumbs up. We love it when there's other people in the thread. So we're not just talking to ourselves. Cause if I just wanted to talk to Ryan, I could send him a text. That's right. That's right. And we usually do that in addition. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then Andre with the, you guys are the best one. I think that's important too. And I want to mention, um, so this is a special post-show edition of the Daily Wrestling News Show. But we are we do do this show pretty much every day, Monday through Thursday, at 10 a.m. And it's not always easy for people to watch this show live on Facebook or YouTube at 10 a.m. But you can get the podcast on demand if you do Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's out there. And you can listen to it on your ride home. Really good way to consume the show. And I would very much appreciate to uh, to hear what people think of the show. So. It's a different format during the week, right? We focus on one top story, and then we break down all kind of the news of the day. We hit your previews for that night's wrestling. It's a really good way to stay up to date on everything, and I promise you that I sort through all the bullshit in wrestling news to find the truth. That's sort of the motto. So Yeah, we're, we're kind of straight shooters. We might be a little biased when it comes to certain things, but in general, we try to call out the garbage, and we try to call out the good, too, and highlight what we can. Um at least that's my focus on Tuesdays when I'm when I'm allowed to have the microphone for a little bit to talk. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing is I have a variety of, of co-hosts. Travis is there on Tuesday, and I have different co-hosts that might be biased more towards a different product. So 100%. we have kind of the best of all the worlds that you can get. Yeah, he so. balances the bias really well. Right. <laughs> I do uh, go ahead, Travis, and, and continue talking about full gear for a second while I bring up another thing. 
so full, full gear is the one that's going to be in St. Louis. So that'll be a good time. We can get down there early. Um, we're not going to be able to ride up on the arc because I think the arc is closed now, but they've got really good ribs down there. JR mentioned it on the commentary. Um, he was talking about a plate full of ribs. I am positive he was going to be having some ribs down there. <laughs> um, the other thing that I thought was like Excalibur, like it really feels like he's coming into his own now because man, Don Callis tried to throw him for a loop and he gave Don Callis a little bit of shit and like he had to help JR along and stuff like that. So, you know, Excalibur was a big kind of wild card question mark for me in the beginning and stuff like that. But, you know, he got some accolades um, with his broadcasting for the year earlier in this year. And uh, it's nice to see him having a style. I'm glad that he can call the moves. I know the rest of the guys bag yeah. on him, but they used yeah. to bag on Mike Tanay too. You know, they used to bag on all the other guys that they brought in to call the moves, but I'd rather have the moves called the right way um and he does a good job there's some names the moves that i can't stand i don't like a stretch muffler i don't like silly string either can we get some new names made stat for those moves? <laughs> you know it's interesting because excalibur i was actually just reading on facebook today about people that don't like him and mm -hmm. it's funny to me wrestling fans i think are guilty of snap judging like we make up our minds about something and then we will never change off of that and unfortunately, I think that's what happened to Excalibur. But I guarantee you, if you give him a chance and you really think about what he does versus the others, he's very good. I had a really, really good friend of mine that that used to live in the Rochester area that moved to like South Carolina. And I noticed that he made a comment on a thread from a random dirt sheet Facebook page about the the title of the article was something about Orange Cassidy potentially winning the belt. And he, his comment was, that guy's terrible. Now, what I really wanted to go into a long conversation, but it's like a lot of times when it comes to people, people make up their mind from the beginning, from the first piece of work that they do, and then they never allow them a chance to grow after that. And that's, you know, in performance art, and especially when it comes to entertainment and athleticism like this, people go through a lot of different incarnations of them. And there's certainly been times when I have disliked a, a, a superstar a whole heck of a lot. And then they've grown on me over time and I can really appreciate them. Chuck Taylor was a guy that initially when I saw him with best friends, I'm like, this guy is just a slob. He's awful. Yep. And he's not very good. <laughs> and he's, and he's super, super entertaining. I mean, yeah. we buried the dark order early on and there was a bunch of people like that you know and in the same thing hybrid two the first time i saw them on tv i wasn't thrilled but then i got to see him live and i got to listen to jack evans talk and then helico is you know probably the best hold wrestler that AEW has in the zach saber jr style um we just don't get to see him a lot um, right. which is too bad because that style is really interesting and fun to watch so um yeah, well, I see some more comments rolling in. I'm going to get to those in a second, but I want to play um, another a clip here so that people can check out other things that, that we do and get to know everything that's going on around Minnesota Bell Time and Eastern Observer. So stick with me for a second. Come back to your comments in just a moment. If you love the Daily Wrestling News Show, then I want to tell you how you can support us. First, check out BodySlamClothes.com. You can get a variety of shirts for just $20, and all of them come in the super soft style, and the price you see includes all sizes and shipping. Get 10% off two or more shirts with the promo code SHIRTS10. Go to BodySlamClothes.com right now to check it out. And join Joey Jarzanka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Friday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports. The show kicks off at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. 
And each Tuesday, Al Carl hosts the Essential Wrestling Podcast alongside John Smith, myself, John DeConi, and Gary Maheffy. It's another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Here our analysis on who we think is going to win the week's matches. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a Pick'em League to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe. And the Body Slam Brigade newsletter, currently going out to over 4,200 people each Friday. It consolidates all the top stories in professional wrestling into a quick-to-read email written by me for you for free. Sign up now at BodySlamBrigade.com. And of course, this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show. We're here every day, Monday through Thursday, and occasionally on Friday. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or watch us live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. This is the Daily Wrestling News Show, and we thank you for your support. All right, so the other comments that are coming in, Andre grades the show 9.5 out of 10, so that's pretty good praise. If you're other people watching the show, go ahead and throw your com- your comment in to let me know where you rate it. I think, Travis, you, you were saying 8 or 9 as well. So I was saying an 8 or 9, yeah, which is which is pretty high marks. It's tough to get me off of like a 6 or a 7, so yeah, yeah. 8 or 9, really high. I think the, I mean, all of us have been waiting for fans to come back. Um and then, you know, we got another three months and we're going to be, you know, all out Chicago, September 5th. So, yep. We'll, uh, and then uh, on the on the subject of commentary, Andre mentions Excalibur, Corey Graves. They're right there. Um, yeah, they both are. They both, I think, should be fan favorites. Um, both of them actually take a lot of flack in the, in the world. But I guess that's the case with everybody. People tend to be polarizing figures. Uh, but Andre does mention that we were all right on Adnan Burke, and I don't think we can take that away. <laughs> we did make that snap judgment right away. Absolutely. just didn't get better. So. And actually, I'm not the biggest Corey Graves fan because I follow him on social media, and he drives me nuts on social media sometimes. Um, but I will say this. In the tenure that he's had to work with Adnan Burke, I have appreciated Corey Graves more during that period of time. Um, I liked – as much as I was annoyed with Pat McAfee coming in initially, I really enjoy Pat McAfee. I was like, oh, God, they're putting a mark on this show. And I'm like, actually, they're putting somebody with a pulse on the show. So, you know, kudos to them for making that making that pick. And I think he's been a breath of fresh air um, to SmackDown. From- he's excited to be there. Right? Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's actually happy for the job. He hasn't, been, he hasn't been beaten down, you know, and yeah. it's nice to see that you have to inject some fresh blood and like he hasn't been, he doesn't know that a beatings may be coming or whatever, <laughs> right. you know? So, um, and we'll see Jimmy Smith. I mean, I wish the guy well, uh, we'll find out tomorrow. It, it, you know, it can't be worse. He said, he said in 2019 that nothing would ever, he hasn't watched wrestling since he was a kid and nothing would ever bring him back. So I guess, you know, Jimmy, we'll, we'll see how you do, but, mm-hmm. and just to show you that, you know, we can love Excalibur and you can love Corey Graves, but the world is a funny place, right? There you go. It's like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it is what it is. Like everybody's got their opinion. on Preference is preference. So there's nothing wrong with having preference, you know, I, and that, and that's the same thing. I prefer AEW to WWE, but there, that doesn't mean that I can't find things in WWE that I enjoy. That doesn't mean that I can't find superstars that I enjoy, but it also doesn't mean that I can't be critical of them in, now, if I'm critical of them and I'm never critical of AEW or I can't call out the stupidity there, then my commentary is almost in, 
worthless at that point. But if you can call it straight down the line, that's great. And if you can recognize when you have a preference, but you can understand why other people prefer something else, you're in that sweet spot. Absolutely. All right. Well, Travis, did anything else we want to talk about here in AEW before or, uh, Double or Nothing before we get out? No, I think I think we did I think we did well. They they did us a really big favor. It was really nice. That show was was everything that I needed. And I'm glad that I have tomorrow off because I'm still pretty jacked up over here. So at 115 yeah, yeah. AM, my old ass. So yep. All right. For Travis, I'm Ryan. If you want to watch us live again, we'll be here at 10 a.m. on Tuesday. Join us. If not, grab the podcast, download, listen to us on the way home. Uh, we appreciate that. And I appreciate hearing from you and what you think. So thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you next time. Congrats, Brett.